And now I will uh, kindly ask Mr. Plevrakis uh, of ABS to take over for the next panel. Uh, if you can put, uh, please, up the slide with a conference uh, reminder. Bravo, we have a slide. Uh, please, let's go up. Bravo. I have a slide to, you know, to disclaimer. Bravo. So if I can have the panelists take uh, their seats, please. I would like to remind you that we cannot discuss pricing uh, of specific companies or uh, production plans of specific companies. It has to be a generally market-driven uh, discussion. So thank you. And now you can take down the disclaimer. We showed it to everybody for antitrust purposes. Thank you for that note. So, good evening from my side. Um, I'm just being informed that the crewing seminar is starting, so if everybody is interested to participate, please do so. Okay, thank you very much. So, from my side, um, it's been, it is a great honor for me to be here standing in front of you and uh, moderating this, uh, this very interesting panel. Thank you to the organizers for organizing this spotless event. I would also like to uh, thank our honorable uh, minister for setting the stage for um, the long, uh, short and long-term discussion on, uh, on the things that are happening in, uh, in our industry. Just a few words on um, what this panel is all about. Um, we, I mentioned short and long-term perspective, so talking about short-term and long-term perspective, we will now um, kick off the second session of, uh, of the day by looking at the short-term view uh, and taking into account the fact that the IMO sulfur cap regulation of 2020 is just around the corner. This is even more important. Um, we have been discussing for years um, already now and uh, things are shaping up. We will be looking at um, what are the challenges that still lie ahead in the short term and right uh, after the, we go around the corner in 2020. And we have four uh, experts, uh, each one on it, uh, his and her own field that could help us navigate in this, uh, in this uh, short term environment of the, the fuels in perspective for 2020. So uh, I would like to welcome in the panel Ms. Armel Brenol, um, Senior Marine Fuels Technical Advisor for ExxonMobil, Mr. Matthew Tong, Commercial Director of Intergrade Fuels, Mr. Klaus Kesting, General Manager, Banker Procurement for J. Lauritsen, and Mr. Aguilot Vitimas, Area Manager, Hellas, Italy, Croatia, Bulgaria, for Vet uh, Veritas Petroleum Services, VPS. So going straight at it, for the interest of time, I would like to, uh, just to set uh, the field, to pose a question to the panel. Um, 
a general question. How do you, what do you think, how prepared do you think um, our industry is with regards to this transition? And may I start with the lady on the panel? Armel, c'est à toi. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. So the question is, uh, how do we see if, how we are prepared as an industry for IMO 2020? Well, from what we can see in our uh, discussion interaction, I believe there is a lot of uh, uh, difference between, uh, we say, supplier or ship owner in terms of preparation. I think for the ones that have started the preparation already some, some months or a year ago, we are, uh, if I speak about the logistic, for example, for us, for the supply chain, we are uh, currently transitioning our uh, supply chain for part of, part of it, it's already finished. So I would say that yes, we are, uh, we are prepared. There is a lot to do, uh, a lot to come certainly again, but uh, as a supplier, I think we are ready. And um, may I jump to the uh, gentleman on the far right, Angelos? What is your view from a, a service point of view, service supplier point of view? Well, uh, ISO uh, has already developed some uh, publicly available uh, specifications, uh, which for are available for the last couple of weeks. Uh, most of the uh, Greek shipping companies have uh, already been uh, prepared for the last few months and the others are uh, uh, underway for the preparations regarding the, the new fuels. So uh, we, we believe that most of the uh, management companies and shipping companies are aware of the, of the major changes that are coming into effect in the next three months and uh, are uh, having the necessary preparations. Thank you. And now jumping to the operators and the banker side. Um, I will ask Klaus first to give, it, to give us the overview on uh, how well are we preparing ourselves. Can we go? All right. Um, well, I think as for, for many other shipping owners, uh, the big question when we learned about the IMO 2020 coming into effect in 2020 was, should we go for scrubbers or shouldn't we go, shouldn't we go for scrubbers? Uh, in our company, we, we made a study and found out that scrubbing was not feasible for us. Uh, so we had to focus on the, on the 0.5 fuels and low sulfur gas oil. Um, we have then, for the last one and a half year, had a cross-departmental work group in the office uh, trying to dig deep into what was needed in order to be prepared for 2020. Um, we have been having a lot of discussions, and, and actually when we started discussion, we found out that much more was actually needed and much more cooperation was needed across the office that, that we anticipated to begin with. Um, I would say right now we are in the stage where we are in the midst of cleaning vessels' tanks in order to be prepared for, for the new fuels. Uh, and then shortly we will go in the market for the, uh, for the uh, 0.5 fuels. So that's where we are today. And um, Matt, uh, Matt, I would like to also um, listen to uh, your opinion on that, um, bridging the gap between operation 
and uh, uh, bunkering. Um, where do you see the preparations stand? What is the, what is the, what is the status on that? So, thanks very much. Good afternoon. Um, I, th I think we're moving now very much from a planning, and an awful lot of work has been put in from the conversations that we have with um, suppliers, uh, vessel owners, refiners as well, um, and that we're now moving very much into the execution stage with suppliers getting tanks ready and supplies ready, vessel owners also um, starting to clean tanks and getting ready. We're seeing more inquiries now around VLSFO that weren't mm -hmm. there um, a, a month or, or, or so ago. So I, I think I'd summarize it by a lot of work has been done. There's an awful lot of work to do in the next three months to get themselves everybody ready and to be on compliant fuels for the, uh, for the 1st of January. Um, I think there's not only the, the, the um, physical side that we're talking about here, but I know there's also been a lot of work with people looking at extending credit lines as well, because mm -hmm. the new fuels on average are going to be more expensive. So that's certainly a, um, a consideration as well. So I think it's going in the right direction, but there's a lot more work to do. Well, uh, on that keynote, I would like to go back to Klaus and ask, um, what do you see are the challenges for um, the, the very first days of the adoption. So as we go beyond the uh, January 1st, 2020, uh, what do you see uh, from an operation point of view uh, that will be the challenges uh, for these first months? Where, where, where do you focus on? Well, there are actually a number of challenges as far as we can see it. Um, we, we, we're trying to run on the high sulfur as, as long as possible, um, like I guess a lot of other companies are doing as well, or preparing for. Um, so it's of course, first of all, the challenge to, uh, to make sure that, that we get the tanks cleaned in the right time to have the VLSFO on board, and not make, making sure that we don't have too much high sulfur coming 1st of January. When we're looking after 2020 and with the uh, very low sulfur fuel, what, what challenges are we then facing? Um, the number, as far as I can see it. Um, we have the uh, availability of a product that is not really available yet. Um, we'll have to see if, if there is demand enough. That is a huge challenge, especially in, in the smaller ports. No doubt we can get it where we, in the bigger ports without any problems. But the small ports will, will be a challenge and, and will be interesting to see. Um, another concern is the quality. We are all deciding to buy something that, that a few have tried, but many of us have not tried the products yet. And they will come in many different qualities. It will not be like the product we have today, the 380 high sulfur that we, everybody, that we all know and are very confident with. Um, there will be different parameters in the new fuels, and of course, it will, be, it will be a challenge to make sure that the vessels always on top when they get these fuels on board, that they get the engines uh, set correctly. Um, and also, what, what will we see from the suppliers uh, on the quality? Uh, no doubt that the majors, they, they will uh, come with uh, a good quality that can be burned without any problems, but 
we will also be exposed to buying from smaller suppliers and, and we could risk that, that the quality might not be as what we wanted because they don't have the same experience as they have with the high sulfur today. Yep. So um, to, group, to group all these up, um, you see that um, there are op operational challenges about, you, you referred to tar cleaning, um, availability challenges, and challenges that are related to quality, related to fuel quality. Um, so, Armel, taking into account the, these technical considerations in relation to, to quality of um, these new types of fuels, the new compliant fuels, um, Klaus mentioned uh, that there are challenges related to that. So, what are your suggestions uh, to ship owners uh, to mitigate these kind of risks? If I may, uh, Klaus, I think you made a very good point stating that the fuel needs to burn well in the engine. This is what we will call at ExxonMobil the performance of the fuel in terms of combustion quality, for example. But before reaching the engine, in fact, uh, the fuel will have to be treated, settled down, and receive a lot of, uh, I would say, filtering, purifier on board. And this is where certainly today, the ship owners, the vessel operator, have to focus more. Since this morning, in quite every presentation or panel, I have heard that the human element, the crew, uh, is something uh, is uh, not something is a is a very important parameter because at the end of the day, it will be the crew that will handle this new type of fuel on board the vessel. So, knowledge sharing, being sure that you discuss with your supplier to know what you are buying in terms of uh, product quality. When I use product quality here, is product type because in this multi-fuel future, as we see it uh, within ExxonMobil, if we consider the compliant 0.50% fuel uh, option, there will be a variety of fuel from distillate, potentially clear and bright kind of DMA, uh, DMB, or even heavy distillate, or even residual fuels that will be compliant the 0.50% sulfur fuel. And amongst all these different type of fuel, there will be certainly some that will have very different characteristics in terms of pour point, for example, so in terms of how the temperature will have to be managed on board. So all of, all of these need to be uh, clearly shared, explained to the crew that will manage the uh, the fuel on board, but it will start from the from the procurement, that the pro fuel procurement department will need to know what they are buying. They, there will be certainly much more collaboration, as you mentioned, between the different departments to, uh, to understand, depending on the, uh, the, the route followed by the vessel, the available bunker port, Tank segregation, on board, tank segregation capability on board the vessel are certainly key also and will be at help. So there is a lot of things that we can take into consideration in this uh, preparation for IMO 2020. To, to hand on the ExxonMobil side, I would say since more than one year now, we have announced that all our 0.50% sulfur fuel will be residual fuel. 
will be compliant the ISO spec, and in terms of sulfur verification, they will be um, formulated, taking into account the IMO sulfur verification. I would think that as a starting point, this is the minimum that we we should find from the supplier. And uh, on top, we have uh, made a robust fit-for-use assessment to go beyond the other spec in terms of combustion quality, compatibility, and stability, because certainly this is where the question will come from the crew very quickly. Thank you for, for mentioning also the um, the procurement side of the whole equation and um, pinpointing the challenge to that. Um, you mentioned ISO, uh, ISO compatibility um, and uh, what I would like actually to ask Matt on that is that um, immediately after the period uh, after the 1st of January 2020 and for, for, for that part of, uh, of the year. Um, where do you see um, f bunker fuel concerns arising? So what is your view on that? Um, so I, I think the challenge for the industry and the owners really starts from now rather than the 1st of January um, because people are going to have to start buying fuel. Um, what are some of the challenges that we see early on. Um, the industry's been used to running on high sulfur fuel oil, which the majority of the time is reliable. There are very, very few debunkerings. Um, and the industry needs to move to build confidence in this new fuel VLSFO, um, satisfy itself of its quality, um, and also get used to using a fuel which may have varying characteristics. So for example, in particular, from the research we've done, viscosity and density can, uh, can, can, can vary. Um, I think also one of the uh, challenges and the concerns we have is around the stress on the infrastructure as well. And we're already seeing this in terms of barging delays, the period in which you have to procure bunkers has now moved out. Some places it's 10 days, 12 days. Um, high sulfur is getting uh, is becoming tight in the uh, in, in the switchover, and and then this as terminals start to get ready for point five, um, and then this little leads into the topic of well, is fuel available or not? And we've been asking and, and talking to a number of suppliers over the last few months. And it's really only in the last month or two that a lot more clarity has started to come. And we sort of asked ourselves the question around, at a port, yes, fuel might be available, but then we also characterize what's operationally available, i.e., you know, on a particular day, at the right price, at the right quality, can the owners get the fuel that they, uh, that they want? Um, and I think that what this is doing is forcing a lot more conversation and information exchange, and we're certainly seeing it from uh, not only with our own fleet, the Navigate fleet, but also for customers that are using uh, Integrate. There is a much more of a demand for information from them. It used to be very price-driven, um, but now people are asking much more around availability. What's the quality of the VLSFO going to be like? Uh, uh, going to be like? So I think one of the main challenges is going to be. Obviously, there's the operational side, but it's this drive for more, um, for more information. Um, you know, when charters are fixing ships now, 
they'll want to know what's the price of the fuel when they're evaluating options before they, um, before they, before they give that out. So I think you have um, building confidence in VLSFO. There's the stress on the infrastructure. There's operational fuel availability. Um, and if I may, just within Integrate, what are we, uh, what are we doing about that? Um, we're adapting our business model and we're, 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 we've, we're using some technology that we've built um, to develop a new platform called Engine, which has a lot of anonymized data inside it quality, it was originally devised around having some quality and pricing information, we're putting it availability information in there as well, and it captures thousands of data points that will allow owners to go in on an anonymized basis to see, say, what's fuel quality looking like at a particular port, price benchmarking, um, and that is one of the ways that we're helping people to get more information for what is definitely going to be a disruptive period over the next few months. You are also tapping on the digitalization tools, I understand, as you, as you mentioned. Absolutely, because I think the, the, uh, the procurement process for bunkers has been quite one-dimensional over the last few years, which is it's been very, very price-driven because generally the quality of high sulfur is okay. Now it's moving to be much more two-, three-dimensional in, in our view because it's Price is clearly important, but you want to know you can get the right quality. You want to know you can get it when you, um, when you, when you need it, um, and, and that is all then going to um, uh, is all information that needs to be brought into the decision-making process, which possibly wasn't there or needed in the past. Mm -hmm. So, on that note, uh, regarding information, um, and I would like to go to to Angelus about that. Um, so, based on the information that you have been gathering so far, and the input that uh, you're receiving from our industry, um, what are the most important pain points you see uh, regarding uh, fuel quality so far? Well, uh, we have actually tested uh, several hundred samples, especially in the last quarter, uh, for the new VLSFOs. And, uh, we anticipate that there will be some wide variability uh, in terms of formulations of the new VLSFOs depending on the regions, ports, and suppliers. Uh, the characteristics of the new fuels are uh, governed by their uh, petroleum crude sources and, of course, their blending components. Uh, we've seen some great differences so far in terms of densities and viscosities especially regarding viscosities, I can tell you that the differences range to more than uh, one order of magnitude for 40 up to 400 centistokes so far. Uh, however, we believe that some parameters, uh, specifically the cold flow properties, cut fines, and stability and compatibility will be uh, the most significant ones. A uh, few words about each of those. Uh, cold flow properties, are essentially, essentially the temperature at which the fuel uh, should be heated uh, in order to avoid any significant operational temperatures. And there is a temperature called pool point, which is quite known, uh, where actually your, your fuel becomes solid. Uh, we don't have a lot of uh, information, of course, regarding the, the new fuels, although uh, the cold flow properties, uh, including uh, CFPP, cold feeder plugging point, and 
CloudPoint have been around for, for some years, uh, especially for the, uh, for the distillate fuels. Now, uh, regarding uh, CAT finds, which are the catalyst finds, which is the sum of uh, aluminum and silicon particles, uh, obviously this is not something new. Uh, this has been around for, for a few years, and this is derived by the refining fluid uh, catalytic cracking units. Uh, so far, there isn't any evidence that uh, the, the CAD fines levels will be increased. However, uh, some people expect that this could change uh, in the last quarter of, of this year and of course the following quarters uh, because of the uh, uh, increase of, of demand for these VLSFOs that uh, most of the companies are only now starting to, to use. Um, we believe that the main uh, point of, uh, of interest will be stability and compatibility uh, between the different fuels. Stability primarily relates to the potential for asphaltine precipitation, uh, basically leading to sludge formation. It has to do to, with if, uh, stable, if a fuel is stable, it means that it can keep its current uh, uh, state and uh, in terms of specification uh, this can be assessed through the total sediment checks. Uh, the difference between stability and compatibility is that stability is referred to one fuel. In other words, the, the suppliers are obliged to provide you with a stable fuel, but since the fuels will be quite different in terms of density, viscosities, and other important characteristics, there's a chance that if, in case you actually blend uh, in one storage tank, uh, a stable fuel with another stable fuel, this does not necessarily mean that you will end up with a, with a stable mixture. And this is basically what's the, the, the definition of compatibility. It's an indication of the suitability of commingling two different fuels. Chances, unfortunately, uh, with the new VLSFOs are that the new fuel, the new VLSFOs will not be compatible with each other. So ideally speaking, uh, similar characteristics such as density, viscosity, and MCR should be used, but uh, by far the preferred best practice would be to try and avoid this commingling. So in essence, to put the new fuels in different segregated tanks. If for some reason this is not feasible, and in some cases it won't be, uh, we, we suggest, we, we actually recommend to perform a previous compatibility test between the two fuels. Uh, there are of course some spot tests which are available which have the advantage of giving you a result uh, within one hour. Uh, however, uh, disadvantage of a spot test is that it's not 100% reliable because this is an optical test and some crew members may not be proficient in identifying the differences, especially if the fuel uh, is highly paraffinic. And by far the best means of uh, uh, having an indication regarding the compatibility is a laboratory test, which will give you a definite result on, on whether you can actually 
blend the two fuels in the specific uh, mixing ratios. So, uh, of course, there are other possible uh, issues that could occur, uh, such as, for example, the deleterious uh, chemical substances that may be present. Uh, however, we did not have such a case yet. Um, and in, in brief, we believe that uh, testing the fuels, these new fuels, uh, uh, will be of paramount importance, uh, especially before blending them. Um, couple last questions, actually. Um, so what we see is that um, there are things that an, an operator should take into account regarding availability, uh, technical issues, um, you know, quality. Now, uh, it, it, there is a, um, a consensus that this is something that uh, reflects to the whole value chain and um, uh, the whole supply chain. So, um, I, would act, I would like to ask Amel, and this I would like also to have the opinion of the panel, but starting with Amel. Um, how do you uh, expect that um, this collaboration across the stakeholders should take place? Uh, do you think it's a vital thing? And uh, if so, in what way? I'm not sure we can really call it a collaboration, but anyhow, all the stakeholders we have in this uh, shipping, and I would like to, to discuss here only from the bunkering part, we all have a role to play, from the user of the fuel uh, to the supplier of the fuel. And I believe this is what we have done, us, for example, when we, uh, we, we have foreseen this uh, question of compatibility and stability that will become uh, a hurdle for, for some vessel operator. This is why when we have announced our EMF.5 range of uh, 0.50% sulfur fuel, we have announced that they have been formulated to be compatible between them, as long as best practices are followed. And we believe it means that it's, it's possible, it's feasible. But of course, it's a change in the way we are working. It's not anymore producing a fuel, it's more formulating a fuel. So similar to uh, when we were saying that we, we certainly will see a change from fuel procurement to fuel management from the ship owner perspective. From the supply side, it's the same. We have changed the way we approach the production of this new type of fuel. It's really formulated fuel. We call them engineered fuel now. So if it's not a collaboration between all of us, at least uh, we all have a role to play to make it feasible. Thank you. And um, then, going to the gentlemen, Klaus and Matt, what I would like to ask you is a um, uh, final question. What about the implementation and enforcement? I would like to start with Klaus. Um, do you see that there is an uncertainty as far as that side is concerned among the operators? Um, is there a clear line, or are there any issues that need to be clarified from the enforcement side? Um, well, I just want to go back to 2015, uh, actually a bit f further back uh, when we were working with the uh, low sulfur fuel oil, where we had a limit of 1%. Uh, 
um, very often we saw that the test result was above 1%. Um, we have already in our company received a lot of uh, COQs from the suppliers on uh, very low sulfur, and what we are seeing is that they are being blended very close to the 0 0.5. So, so my concern is, of course, that we will again see many test results that will be on the borderline or actually above. So the big question is, how will the enforcement be? And I think that's a very, um, it's, it's very risky and uh, we are missing some guidance uh, from, from IMO and also from the various countries on how they will handle this. Because uh, if, if you're coming uh, with a vessel in January 2020 and everybody can see that you have bought compliant fuel, and then you get a fine or detention because the test result is showing that you are on 0 0.5, 2%. Mm -hmm. then, it is a, then it is a concern. Um, as far as I understand, there's no global guidance on how uh, the enforcement shall be. Uh, so it will depend on which country you're calling. Um, so I think that that would be a, be a huge challenge and I hope that we will be, that there'll be shown some flexibility. On that. Matt, any, any last comment on that? Um, <clears throat> so I think the, uh, um, the rules are quite clear um, and the legal framework's in place. Um, I think the point that Klaus makes is very valid. You know, how will minor infringements potentially, especially in the early days, um, be taken into account? Um, but I think when we stand back and look at it, it, because of the legal framework, it's illegal to carry high sulfur fuel oil on board a ship uh, unless it's got abatement technology. Um, that actually we're less we think we're less concerned about compliance, but we're probably more concerned um, around the technical issues of, of burning a new fuel. And whenever you see a spec change, there is always a spike in. Um, uh, in claims and, and on off-spec fuel, um, and also for companies getting used to running um, exhaust gas cleaning systems as well on board vessels, because these are techn technological developments, um, and ships' crews are going to have to be um, uh, comfortable with them. So we look more around the technical issues of you know the new fuels and the you know the equipment on the ships, the abatement technology, rather than being so worried on the because um, the legal framework is clear. Thank you. Uh, well. I think that we have to conclude because um, we have exhausted our time frame. Uh, I would like to thank the panel um, and proceed if there are any questions or should we go to the next? The spot on time. It is four zeros. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.